Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 631. If you'd like to have a copy of it, Sharon will tell you how to end the program. Just let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. They're free, including postage and handling. All right, uh, we have music. We've got letters. And I've got a very powerful message uh, that I'm sure is uh, going to be exceedingly controversial. So don't turn your dial. Stay right here with us. There isn't anything more important in the entire universe than the Word of God. That's what I'm called to do, is to present the Word of God as it really is to the general public and to the entire world. Right, but right now, let's pray. Father, I thank and praise your holy name for eternal life, for the Holy Spirit. Open the windows of heaven and anoint, and let people not be adverse to the word of God. Let them have the desire to uh, serve the Lord with their whole heart, for this is the requirement of you, and that they, um, lest they be penalized for their disobedience. Now, people are resentful, Father, to your word, but I pray uh, it won't do them any good to resent your word because you have the power to uh, punish their disobedience. Lord God, I ask that you let the word and the explanation of the word ring true in their souls, their minds, their hearts, uh, and uh, that they may be saved and that the church may be better equipped to preach the word of God and to teach it throughout the world. Lord, uh, destroy Satan, bind him, and let the whole church pray this prayer as well. Lord, there's so many distractions in the world, but if the people of the Lord don't get together and begin praying this same prayer that you're laying on my heart to uh, tell the people, well, then uh, they're not one body. They're not one church. They're not your bride. Lord, I ask that you destroy Satan and open big doors for us, great and mighty doors, and close every door to Satan. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. All right, now here's Porter Wagner to sing for you Life's Railway to Heaven. Life is like a mountain railroad with the knee engineer that's brave we must make the run successful from the cradle to the grave watch the curves that build the tunnel never falter never fail keep your hands upon the throttle and your eyes upon the rail Blessed Savior, Thou will guide us Till we reach that blissful shore Where the angels will 
join us in thy praise forevermore. As we roll along the threshold, Spanning Jordan, swelling tide We behold the Union Depot Into which our train will glide There we'll meet the superintendent God the Father, Christ the Son With a hearty, joyous welcome Weary children, welcome home. Blessed Savior, Thou will guide us till we reach that blissful shore, where the angels wait to join us in Thy praise forevermore. Where the angels wait to join us in Thy praise forevermore. That's Porter Wagner. Praise the Lord. Get ready for a message here after we read the two uh, letters. We're going to get into a little later in the program. Who practices polygamy? Who practices polygamy? You want to know almost everybody in this country does. They have what you call serial polygamy. Those are the men in this country that uh, marry and then they divorce and then they marry, then they divorce, then they marry, then they divorce, and they marry and then divorce. And uh, also they go out uh, on <clears throat> on their wives and uh, commit fornication and uh, uh, leaving the women uh, to, after they leave their women, the women uh, become prostitutes and all sorts of evil things. This is definitely polygamy because they're getting many wives Okay, so we're going to get into that just a little bit uh, further here, so make sure you stay tuned in. Now, we do have some letters. Where's the letters from, uh, first letter from? Hollywood, California. Oh, right here at home. All right, then what else? Go ahead, read what they have to say. To Alamo Christian Ministries, it really grieves me to hear false accusations about Pastor Tony Alamo from the media. I have personally met hundreds of people through the years that love Tony Alamo for all the good he does for other people. I lived in the Alamo Christian Foundation for over 24 and a half years. The pastor led me to the Lord in 1970 and helped me in every way. I had it made. My rent was always free and everything was provided. Any problems I had, Pastor Alamo would take the time to talk to me. The children in the church were all spoiled. They even had their own horses. I have been listening to Pastor Lamo's radio broadcasts since July 2006 when I found out about them. Everything he says is right from the Word of God. About nine years ago, I was kicked out for things I did wrong. I deserved to be told to leave. The entire time I lived in the church, there was absolutely no guns or weapons allowed. 
no illicit sex, no promiscuity, homosexuals, or anything allowed that was contrary to the word of God. And uh, the children were not uh, abused, <laughs> I might add. Then what? I personally know that Pastor Lamo relentlessly does everything he can so people can get saved and stay saved and have lack of nothing. Signed, Scott Durning from Hollywood, California. Okay, Scott, it sounds like you're repentant, and if you'd like to come back and you know what the rules are, you can stay. All right, I just don't, uh, that disobedient to uh, the Lord, uh, people stay in the in the church. Okay, now we have another letter. Yes, from Sunyani, Ghana, Africa. Let's hear it. Dear man of God, my heart is full of gratitude towards the Lord for the marvelous works he is doing through you and your ministry team. Indeed, I love you, Pastor Lamo, more than you can think of, and I'm praying for you always. I have read a lot about your ministry, how God is using you to bring the light of Jesus to this darkened globe, and how he is using you to build the saints of our generation. Let me say only a few people have yielded such great results as far as the ministry is concerned. God has seen what is in your heart to save the lost at all cost. I really love you more than words can explain. Only heaven can reward you fully. Well, I have been incredibly touched by your newsletters, which are being spread around the world. I may not have enough space to write what you have done in my life through these newsletters, one after the other. My life has been transformed, my faith built, my needs met, my focus on heaven made stronger, and many other things I cannot write now. I'm now committed to being one of your volunteers to share your newsletters to anyone that the Lord will lead me to, and anywhere that the Lord would ask me to go with them. I humbly ask you to supply me with more of your newsletters and a good study Bible to help build my Christian faith. I would also be glad to learn more about evangelism, hence any book about that will be welcomed. My love for you and your wife, your growing Christian, Simon Takiyi from Sanyani, Ghana, Africa. All right. Praise the Lord. These are such wonderful letters. I've never heard of any letters better than this sent to anybody in the whole world. And I really appreciate these letters. They uh, uh, help me uh, have the desire to continue on through all the trash that's in this world. All right. Now, who practices polygamy? Sharon, will you go ahead and read it, because this is coming from a woman now. All right, go ahead. Polygamy has been practiced by mankind for thousands of years. Many of the ancient Israelites were polygamists, some having hundreds of wives. King Solomon, peace be upon him, is said to have had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And the Bible is true. It was true. Okay, then what? David, Dawood, had 99, and Jacob... Yaqib, peace be upon them both, had four. Jesus was not known to have spoken against polygamy. As recent as the 17th century, polygamy was practiced and accepted by the Christian Church. The Mormons, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, has allowed and practiced polygamy in the United States. Monogamy was introduced into Christianity at the time of Paul for bishops only. Quote, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. He's talking about being blameless before the Greeks and Romans because they don't believe in uh, polygamy uh, to be married to many wives and support them and the children. 
but they do believe in um, what you call serial polygamy, where you are uh, going out and uh, um, having sex with all sorts of women and leaving them pregnant and not supporting them. Okay, go ahead. This was done in order for the church to conform to the Greek and Roman cultures, where men were monogamous but owned many slaves, who were free for them to use. In other words, unrestricted polygamy, serial polygamy. St. Paul the Apostle knew the Italians and Greeks to be idolaters. Paul knew also that they were strictly monogamous, having one wife, but that sinful adultery and serial polygamy was common among them, and is to this very day. Paul's attitude was, when in Rome and Greece, do as the Romans and Grecians do, but not their sinful ways. Only if you desire the position of a bishop. Otherwise, he has no rules... A as bishop or a deacon. Okay. Yes. What else? Otherwise, he has no rules as to how many wives a man has, so long as he can support them and the children. Paul didn't want the bishops and deacons of his churches to be stumbling blocks in the area. He wanted them to become all things to all men, that they might win some to the Lord. Paul said, quote, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some, 1 Corinthians 9.22. Early Christians and the Bible taught that women were full of sin and man was better off to never marry. Since this would be the end of mankind, heretics compromised and said marry only one. In the American society, many times when relations are strained, the husband simply deserts his wife, then he cohabits with a prostitute or other immoral woman without marriage. Actually, there are three kinds of polygamy practiced in Western society. One, serial polygamy, that is, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, and so on any number of times. Two, a man married to one woman but having one or more mistresses, such as President Clinton and millions of others. Three, an unmarried man having a number of mistresses. Islam condones but discourages the first and forbids the other two. Wars caused the number of women to greatly exceed the number of men. I it, believe now there's at least ten women to every man here in the United States. Then what? In a monogamous society, these women, left without husbands or support, resort to prostitution, illicit relationships with married men, resulting in illegitimate children with no responsibility on the part of the father, or lonely spinsterhood or widowhood. Some Western men take the position that monogamy, having one wife, protects the rights of women. But are these men really concerned about the rights of women? The society has so many practices which exploit and suppress women, leading to women's liberation movements, from the suffragists to the early 20th century of the feminists of today. The truth of the matter is that monogamy protects men, allowing them to play around without responsibility. Easy birth control and easy legal abortions have opened the door of illicit sex to women, and she has been lured into the so-called sexual revolution. But she is still the one that suffers the trauma of abortion and the side effects of the birth control methods. Taking aside the plagues of venereal diseases, herpes, and AIDS, 
the male continues to enjoy himself free of worry. Men are the ones protected by monogamy, while women continue to be victims of men's desires. Polygamy is very much opposed by the male-dominated society because it would force men to face up to responsibility and fidelity. It would force them to take responsibility for their polygamist inclinations and would protect and provide for women and children. Among all the polygamist societies in history, there were none which limited the number of wives. All the relationships were unrestricted. In Islam, the regulations concerning polygamy limit the number of wives a man can have, making him responsible for all of the women involved. Quote, marry women of your choice, two or three or four. But if you fear that you shall not be able to deal justly with them, then only one or one that your right hand possesses. That would be suitable to prevent you from doing injustice. Unquote. Quran 4.3 This verse from the Quran allows a man to marry more than one woman, but only if he can deal justly with them. Another verse says that a person is unable to justly deal between wives, thus giving permission by discouraging. Quote, you will never be able to deal justly between wives, however much you desire to do so. But if you have more than one wife, do not turn altogether away from one, leaving her as in suspense. Unquote. Quran 4, 129. Further provision for polygamy makes the social system flexible enough to deal with all kinds of conditions, but is not necessarily recommended or preferred by Islam. Taking the example of the false prophet Muhammad is instructive. He was married to one woman, Kahadija, for 25 years. It was only after her death, when he reached the age of 50, that he entered into other marriages to promote friendship, create alliances, or to be an example of some lesson to the community, also to show the Muslims how to treat their spouses under different conditions of life. When God gives a man many wives, as he did King David and others, God also gives the instruction on how to deal with every one of them. But it's not an easy matter for a man to handle two wives, two families, and two households, and still be just between the two. Some people have said that the first wife must agree to the second marriage. Others have said that the couple can put it into the marriage contract that the man will not marry a second wife. First of all, neither the Quran nor Hadith state that the first wife need to be consulted at all concerning a second marriage, let alone gain her approval. The Bible, God's word, never mentions any of this. Consideration and compassion on the part of the man to his first wife should prompt him to discuss the matter with her, but he is not required to do so or to gain her approval. Secondly, the Quran has exclusively given permission for a man to marry two or three or four. The Bible never limits the amount, with the exception of 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, quote, But if any provide not for his own, wife, wives, or children, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Unquote. Now infidels spend eternity in the lake of fire, so where do you think people that are worse than infidels will be? Even the Koran states, the bottom line in the marriage relationship is good morality and happiness, creating a just and cohesive society where the needs of men and women are well taken care of.
The present Western society, which permits free sex between consenting adults and preteen schoolchildren, has given rise to an abundance of irresponsible sexual relationships and abundance of fatherless children, many unmarried teenage mothers, all becoming a burden on the country's welfare system. In part, such an undesirable welfare burden has given rise to bloated budget deficits, which even an economically powerful country like the United States cannot accommodate. Bloated budget deficits have become a political football, which is affecting the political system of the United States. In short, we find that artificially created monogamy has become a factor in ruining the family structure and the social, economic, and political systems of the country. It must be the Bible, God's Word, who directs Christians to get married or observe patience until one gets married. Those who cannot should devote themselves to fasting, for it is a means for suppressing sexual desire. God wants people to be married and to develop a good family structure. Also, the Bible tells us the requirements of the society and the individual in special circumstances where polygamy can be the solution to problems. Therefore, God does allow polygamy and does not limit the number of wives if they can be treated as equals according to the word of God. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3 states, quote, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband, unquote. 1 Timothy 4 1 through 3 states, quote, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, unquote. The Bible, God's word, is totally against same-sex marriages. But God does not require or even recommend polygamy unless he tells you to be a polygamist. In our Western society, polygamy is not frequently practiced despite legal permission in many countries. It appears that the American male is a serial polygamist, getting away with not taking responsibility for the families he should be responsible for. All right. This uh, is the instructions from the Lord to the voted-in heads, not by God, but by people, of the nation. Uh, people are supposed to support their wives and their children. Now, the entire nation of Israel didn't do that. They didn't serve the Lord with their whole heart. Uh, they were those that uh, got married and they um, supported their wives and children, uh, but they uh, didn't serve the Lord with their whole heart. Now, you can do some of the things that the Lord says to do and then don't do the rest of them and you're still going to be penalized for uh, disobedience to the entire word of God. Now the word of God says that uh, he gave uh, around a hundred wives to David. And he said, if that wasn't enough, all you would have had to do is ask me and I would have given you whatever you wanted. Why did you have to have sex? Or take this uh, man's wife. Now it is written of Uriah that his wife was raised up like a little daughter among his daughters. 
because he was evidently had other daughters. And so she was just a young girl. Uh, then when she reached puberty, Uriah then had sexual relationships with her. But um, uh, so uh, that shows that uh, the men were married to young women. It wouldn't touch the young girls until they reached puberty, until they were be, uh, until they had become women, and that is the law uh, of the Lord. When a woman uh, reaches puberty, she is able to marry because their uh, reproductive organs are able to have children. And the Lord says for us to multiply abundantly in the earth. And so what is the reason for causing them to wait until they're 18 years old? It doesn't make sense. I'm doing another entire message on that subject. So because of the fact that the children of Israel were disobedient, didn't serve God with their whole heart, all their heart, all of it. Like uh, Ananias and Sapphire, they kept some of the money back and uh, they lied to the Holy Spirit saying, this was all we got for the house that we sold and the things that we sold. All right, so they dropped dead. God was angry. They committed one sin. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, just because of the fact that you have your own opinion of what you would like the Western society to be like, or any other society in the world, if it's not according to the Word of God, then you're guilty of not serving the Lord with the whole heart. You are uh, a heretic, and you must be punished by the Lord. So, who practices polygamy? It seems like uh, everybody, according to serial polygamy and uh, all the other different polygamies that uh, there are in the world, but the one that practices polygamy the correct way is they support their wives and their children. They don't leave them destitute like the men of this Western society. And the only ones that the uh, government... This one world antichrist government is prosecuting are the ones that are taking care of their wives and their children. They just took 400 of these uh, children away from that church in uh, uh, Texas. And they say, cult. Look, at you know, when you um, know the Bible, you'll know that you're the cult. The people here in the Western society are the cult. You don't know right from wrong. You don't know anything, really. If you don't know God and his ways, you don't know anything. You're still in darkness. And that's why I'm preaching the gospel, is to make sure that people are no longer in darkness. But they are walking in the light. Not disobedient to the Lord in any way, but that they're serving the Lord with all, the whole heart. All right. I believe we were in the book of James, chapter 2, and I believe it was verse 12. So go ahead, uh, book of James. So speak ye, and so do, 
as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So the Lord gives us liberty to do the things that uh, Sharon was reading. This is a way, but not to be serial polygamous, leaving your wives or whoever pregnant uh, and abandon them completely. If you're going to be a polygamist, then do it God's way to support them, uh, all of them, lest you be found to be a uh, worse than an infidel. Verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. Right. If you're leaving your wives and children without supporting them, then that shows that you have no mercy. So God is going to judge you, for he, God, shall have judgment without mercy to those that have shown no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. If you showed mercy, well, then you can praise and thank the Lord because when judgment time comes for you and your spirit is going to leave your body and you're going to be judged for sure. And uh, you'll, if you've shown mercy and didn't leave children and women destitute to where they had to go out and get jobs of prostitution or go to work at some uh, back-breaking job like um, maids or waitresses or cooks at restaurants. Verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Yeah, you have to do the works. If you're going to be a polygamist, then you have to uh, support your wives and children. Okay? Go ahead. Can faith save him? No. Uh, without works, no. Okay, then what? Verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, verse 16, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Right. How can anybody tell that you have faith if you don't have works? Then what? Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Verse 22, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect? Verse 22, Seest thou how faith uh, brought forth with his works and by works was faith made perfect. So you're, there's no way to be perfect, and you have to be perfect. You have to serve God with the whole heart in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. The entire nation of Israel was destroyed 
because they didn't serve the Lord with their whole heart. The all of uh, humanity has been disciplined by the Holy Spirit because of the one sin that Adam and Eve committed. They didn't pay any attention to what God said. They thought it was foolishness. They thought it was ridiculous that they couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said that in the day that you do that, you're going to die. Verse 23, Sharon. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God. And Abraham it, the polygamist. Believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Right, so he believed God that it was okay to do that. And he was called the father of faith in the friend of God. Then verse 24. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Right. In other words, if you have a wife and children or if you have a couple wives or more and many children, that you'll only be justified uh, not just by if you see them how that by works a man is justified. So you see that you have to support your wife, wives, and children. And not by faith, saying, be thou warmed and filled, and don't even help them be warm and filled. Then what? 25. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works. Right. When she what? had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Well, she was not only justified, but she was put in. She was a part of the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did she do? She protected the children of Israel. She never brought one accusation against them. She didn't turn them in. She didn't rat them out. Because she had uh, had received the messengers and had sent them out another way and told the devils that they went a different way. Well, that's lying. I don't call that lying. People today that are calling this satanic government and reporting people, uh for things that are sanctioned by God so that they could be murdered or put to prison, uh, you're blasphemy. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And there's no inheritance for you in the Lord. Uh, what this uh, Antichrist government has done, the same thing as they did in Germany, is make the general public the police force. But Rahab didn't go for it. She was the harlot, but she repented. She believed that God was the power and that the children of the Is of Israel were uh, blessed by the Lord and that uh, she'd better support them and not rat them out like you people in the United States and throughout the world are doing. Verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead... So faith without works is dead. You don't have any faith. If you turn on the people of the Lord and rat them out to the devil, you don't have any faith. You're the exact opposite of faith in God. 
Chapter 3 My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Right. In other words, uh, you think that you should be master in the secular realm and master in the spiritual realm? You cannot do that. All right? Because um, you shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, then there's different degrees of condemnation. The, so you'll receive the greater one by uh, being friendly to the Antichrist. Because it's for sure they're not friendly to the people of the spiritual realm, the people of the Lord. Okay, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect... Oh, let's go over that again. Verse 2, for in many things we offend all. Uh, all is God. Now, if any man offend not in word, in other words, if you're preaching the gospel the wrong way, if you're telling people things uh, that are not true, then you're offending God in many ways. If any man offend not in word, the word of God, you preach it the way it is, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, you're able to preach the gospel good enough, in the spirit enough, to bridle the entire body of Christ, that you can become a ruler. Verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Yeah, there's so many people today that are saying everything wrong according to Scripture. Uh, the Lord never says that a woman has the right to murder her children. There's, that's a, as a matter of fact, the Lord wiped out the entire African nation of Canaan because they were doing that and committing a homosexuality, lesbianism, adultery, fornication, bestiality. Um, and I know you know what I'm talking about and everything else that they're doing. And uh, so the tongue is a fire, a world of sin. So is the tongue among our members that it uh, defiles the entire body. The tongue can defile the whole body of Christ. That's why Satan has false prophets and with his uh, lying tongues, they're telling people once saved, always saved, you can't be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life when the Bible says so, that you don't have to be zealous, that you don't have to do any works. These things are satanic. They've defiled the entire body of Christ. And they set on fire the course of nature. 
and it is set on fire of hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed uh, of uh, mankind. So, you know, we can train horses and cows and dogs and all kinds of things to do things that we want them to do. And God put a spirit in them to where they are not the head of uh, humans, but we are the head of them. And they have a fear of us until just lately. Now God is taking the fear in them away from them. And they are now able to be angry with us animals. And people have to be careful in these last days. Verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. You cannot tame your own tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9, therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, uh, these things ought not so to be. Verse 11, does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Verse 12, Sharon. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Verse 14. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Verse 15. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And confusion, the Bible says, is of the devil. All right? And what? But peace of mind is of the Lord. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Chapter 4. Begin. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? That's right. I can always tell in the church, you know, when the people have lusts, as they're uh, fighting with one another and they're snapping at each other. And so I know what to watch out for because the wisdom of God in his word shows me what's wrong with them. From whence cometh wars and fighties? How come you guys are warring and fighting among yourselves? Uh, come they not 
hints right here, even of your lusts that war in your members. The Bible says that we have to mortify the lusts of the flesh. And uh, like we said earlier, that you can mortify them by fasting and praying because that way uh, the burden becomes lighter. Verse 2, Sharon. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. For you, you gotta pray, amen? Amen. Then what? Verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? See, so, in other words, you are adulterers because you marry and divorce, and then marry and divorce. So you're also a polygamist, a serial polygamist, you adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? So, in other words, you're saying, well, the world says we can do this and everybody's doing it, so we're going to do it. Don't you know that you are uh, in trouble with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So if you're a friend of the world, it doesn't make any difference. Well, that's the right thing to do because uh, my neighbors do it and all the friends of my church do it. You're an enemy of God, if that's what you think. Verse 5, do you think that the scriptures says in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Read Sharon verse 6. But he giveth more grace. He gave us more power than that. And what? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace, power unto the humble. Yeah, so like God resists. A lot of people are really trying to make it in this world. But do you feel that there's something resisting you? Because you're not paying any attention to what the Lord says? That's what it's all about. And just keep doing the same thing you're doing, and you'll find out that you're never going to be able to have what you want. Verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, not the world. Resist the devil. Resist these things as lust in your flesh, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Get washed in the blood of Jesus and let the word of God cleanse you, purge you of all your filthy sins and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. One minute you want to do what the world says when lust hits you and the next minute Oh, I did wrong, and you know it, your soul knows it, you're under conviction, but uh, then you want to go to God. You cannot serve two masters. can't be running after success like filthy lucre or money in this world and serve the Lord too. 
Give your heart, give your life, give your soul, everything to the Lord. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep. It's better. Let your laughter be uh, turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Prepare your hearts for the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of God, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Okay, verse 11, Sharon. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. Right, you're not supposed to judge your uh, brother uh, with your own judgment. You must use the word of God to judge all things. We're able to judge all things, brothers, sisters, uh, people that are in the church that are not brothers and sisters, false brethren. We can do all that with the word of God, but judge you not. He that speaketh evil of his brother is not a good judge. And judgeth his brother speak. When you do that, you speak evil of the law. And judgeth. And then you become a judge of the law. Why does it say that? Because God says one thing. And you're saying, no, it's all right. So you're judging the law. And your judgment is worthless. It's uh, going to get you in a lot of trouble. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So, uh, you know, I pray that all of you uh, know that you've received a very good lesson today on um, polygamy. And that uh, most of you folks out there are polygamous, but you don't take care of your kids or your wives. Uh, so there is one lawgiver, that's God, who is able to save and to destroy. He can save you if you go by his law, or he can destroy you if you don't. Who art thou that judgest another with your judgment? Verse 13, Sharon. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. Yeah, in other words, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. So how can you say you're going to do this and thus uh, a day or, or even a month or from now? Okay. It's even a vapor. That appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Verse 15. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. All right, so if you're going to go by the Lord, then the Lord says to pray. So let's pray right now. My time is up uh, for this message. So let's go to the throne. Say, My Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and I believe that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. And I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart, and I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus. Father, come into and Jesus, your Holy Spirit. 
I ask that you wash all my sins away in the precious blood that you shed for me. You will not turn me away, Lord Jesus. You will save my soul, I know, because your word says so. Your word says you'll turn no one away, and that includes me. Therefore, I know that you have heard me. I know that you have answered me, and I know I'm saved. Now just raise your hands up and thank and praise the Lord and give him all the glory for saving your soul. And Sharon, tell our listening audience how they can receive a copy of this program number 631. Go to alamoministries.com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas 75505 or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370. Or fax to area code 479-782-7406. Praise the Lord. This is World Pastors saying, Tune in tomorrow for another powerful message of the Lord leading you to the kingdom of heaven. Now the Bible says that we're to keep heaven on our mind. If we keep heaven on our mind, well, then it's for sure that we'll never fall. We'll never go to hell. So here's Porter Wagner to sing for you, Heaven on My Mind. Life is so hard to take at times. Disappointment can obsess your mind, but there is a the peace of mind with heaven on your mind. Oh, I've got heaven on my mind. On my on my mind. mind. Escapes your mind, satisfy your soul. Let God control with heaven on your mind. Well, I've got heaven on my mind. On my mind. Gonna leave this world far behind. A land of paradise is what you find with heaven on your mind. A land of paradise is what you find. With him.